Digital Gonzo, episode 75, dated Thursday the 17th of May 2012, Batman the Movie. Batman and Robin answer their weekly call. The city really owned by the Mohican Indians and only leased by the citizens. Nine pelts paid every five years to renew the lease, or it will expire. Was this Egghead's plan? It was. Chief Screaming Chicken, last of the Mohicans, give his word. But he was an Indian giver. Yeah, that's good old-fashioned racism, folks. Um, sorry about that one. This week, you should have been listening to the second in our Alien series of podcasts, but unfortunately, a few days ago, my PlayStation 3 suffered the dreaded yellow light of death, taking with it my capacity for watching Blu-rays. Emergency measures needed to be taken. Either I bought Aliens on DVD, which was impossible at such short notice thanks to the death of the High Street, the Sleaford branch of our price closed down in 1997, or... We could just skip a week or two while I waited to acquire a suitable Blu-ray player, leaving you guys hanging. Unthinkable. Or, as you may have guessed from the title of this episode, we could just move some of the Batman shows forward and tackle the earlier films which I happen to own on DVD in the interim. We chose the latter, and in fact this first review is a film that I'd imagine the vast majority of you guys have never watched. The 1966 Adam West Batman movie. You know, the Batman show with the intro that sounded like this... exceptionally camp and pantomime take on the Dark Knight, much as it may seem alien to some of our younger viewers, is an integral part of Batman's history, and so we would be remiss not to address this era in discussing the many on-screen representations of the Bat. With me in the Batcave, I have the following. By the way, take a shot every time someone says Bat anything. I have the caped crusader, Joshua Garrity of Kane and Rince. Hello there. The birthday boy wonder, Jerome McIntosh of Gonzo Planet. Good day, sir. The cackling canine, Paul Flying Mutley Gibson, also of Gonzo Planet. Hello there. And the clown prince of crime, Neil Taylor of KDS 2.0 Gameburst. I was hoping for Nightwing, but I'll take the Joker. <laughs> it's better than who I've given you next week. Oh no. There has been a deluge of media associated with this one character since his inception some 72 years ago in 1940. We've decided to focus on his theatrical films and a few other choice on-screen representations. So here's what we're covering. Number one, the 1966 Batman the movie, Tonight. This allows us to discuss the earlier Batman character and earlier comics, along with the accompanying TV series, which was exceptionally influential on his image for many, many years. Two, Tim Burton's 1989 Batman and 1992 Batman Returns, which brought the world its first properly serious big-budget silver screen incarnation. Though still silly in many places, these films instilled a new image in the minds of the public and brought the general idea of Batman closer to The Dark Knight Returns and Year One, written by Frank Miller in 1986 and 87, and The Killing Joke, written by Alan Moore in 88. 
Number three, Batman Mask of the Phantasm, the 1993 theatrically released film starring the great Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill. This will allow us to discuss the animated series that it was derived from. While it received unilateral critical acclaim with its mature and emotional storyline, because it was a cartoon, it was mostly overlooked by adults who all flocked to number four, Joel Schumacher's 1995 Batman Forever and 1997 Batman and Robin. The farcical, campy pantomime returned to our screens and was lapped up by audiences both times, despite being shallow and wretchedly unfunny. They were enormously successful and conversely killed the series for eight years. Number five, we will do one episode focusing on three of the best straight-to-DVD animated films. Batman Beyond, Return of the Joker from 2000, Batman Under the Red Hood from 2010, and Batman Year One from 2011. Number six, we will do one show on Batman Arkham Asylum and Arkham City, two of the greatest comic book games ever made and arguably one of the most compelling depictions of Batman. Seven, and finally, in the run-up to The Dark Knight Rises, we will cover 2005's Batman Begins and 2008's The Dark Knight, followed by the final part of that trilogy, which is released theatrically this July. So all told, we are looking at eight recording sessions released as 11 Gonzo episodes. I think that's the longest-running series I've done so far. That beats uh, Star Wars a bit, doesn't it? Yep. That, was, that beats six for Star Wars and nine for Harry Potter. <laughs> If you guys and girls at home want to stock up on these, all of them are available on R1 and R2 DVD in both regions of Blu-ray, with the following exceptions. Batman Beyond Return of the Joker and Batman Year One are unavailable in the UK at this time, aside from download on iTunes. This is common of DC Animated Fair, as only two of the four seasons of Batman the Animated Series have ever been available over here, along with an absence of the Mr. Freeze movie. None of the five series of Justice League made their way over to these shores, none of the three seasons of Batman Beyond, and only one of the five seasons of The Batman. It's an atrocity, and if I were you, I'd emigrate in protest. Or at least buy the Region 1 DVDs, because it's really easy to get a Region 3 yeah, DVD it, player. It's, it's fairly straightforward. And, and for the record, I think I, a lot of them are on iTunes now as well. Yeah, you can are. get full series, or pretty much all of that stuff on, on iTunes. Yeah. yeah, except for it's kind of pricey, because I yeah, think... It is. For the to- I have both uh, volumes of the Batman animated series, mm-hmm. the first two volumes. I paid a tenner total for that. Yeah. And they're like $17.99 a series, yeah. yeah. On iTunes, yeah. Um, um, I've got to thank Leah Haydu, who should be on uh, next week's Batman show. She sent me as a Christmas present, uh, series three and four. Thank you, Leah. In each of these episodes, I will be crafting a brief history of Batman, just to make things clearer to the unfamiliar. Rather than doing it all at once, I'm simply going to give you an update on what happened to the point the movie came out. In the case of Batman the movie, we have to cover some 27 years from 1939 to 1966. Now, Wikipedia has this fairly neat summation of the character. The Batman saga takes place primarily in the fictional municipality of Gotham City, a city overrun with crime and corruption. Its citizens live in perpetual fear of the vast number of criminals, gangs and common thugs. In an effort to combat the cancerous infection of crime, billionaire philanthropist Bruce Wayne creates the costumed persona of The Batman to prey on the superstitious and cowardly criminals' fears. Wayne, a young socialite who witnessed his parents murder during a mugging when he was a small child, used his trauma and vast personal wealth to travel the world and gain the skills needed to wage war on crime. Batman utilizes his keen analytical mind and sophisticated technology and gadgetry, as well as outstanding physical agility, power and stamina to ensure that criminals never feel safe in Gotham and are always afraid of the dark. In the eyes of public, 
The Batman is believed to be both an urban legend and something more than human, an indeterminable black spectre that represents terror. Wayne reasoned that fear was his weakness as a child, but as a man, it becomes his weapon. Batman, like Superman, Spider-Man, Iron Man, and Thor, made his debut in a comic that was not his own. Detective Comics number 27 in May 1939, garnering his own book within a year when it became apparent that the character was more than strong enough for one. It was penned by creators Bob Kane and Bill Finger, and the first run introduced the world to the Joker, Robin, and Catwoman. Initially conceived as serious detective stories in which Batman drove a regular car, shot criminals with his gun, and smacked women around, there followed two and a half decades of transformation into madcap escapades into outer space to meet little green men, magical pixies, and talking animals like Batmite and Ace the Bathound. In the mid-60s, just before the Adam West show was released, the comics were revamped by Julius Schwartz into more hard-nosed fare with some new villains like Poison Ivy. Then the comics swung back the other way again as this show reached phenomenal success. The 66 Batman was not the first attempt to bring the character to the screen. There was a series of theatrically released serials in 1943 and 49. These were cheap, silly and poorly made with no talent or insight. Sorry, these were also cheap, silly, and poorly made with no talent or insight. Ed Graham Productions optioned the rights to the Batman strip. They contacted CBS to make a program in the style of The Adventures of Superman or The Lone Ranger. When negotiations broke down, they went to ABC. ABC formed the rights out to 20th Century Fox, and Fox handed the project to William Dozier of Greenway Productions. Now, this is the important bit. ABC and Fox were expecting a hip and fun, yet still serious adventure show, much like The Man from UNCLE. However, Dozier, who loathed comic books, concluded that the only way to make the show work was to do it as pop art camp comedy. Originally, espionage novelist Eric Ambler was to write a TV movie that would launch the television series, but he dropped out after learning of Dozier's comic camp approach. Emergency. Batman speaking. Warning all of you to brace yourselves for big news. The biggest. Tell them, Robin. Holy superlatives, Batman. It's really exciting. Soon, very soon, Batman and I will be batapulting right out of your TV sets and onto your theater screens. That's right, Robin. Our first full-length motion picture feature in color opens a whole new world of thrills. The big screen gives us more space on land, sea, and in the air to challenge the most bataclysmic collection of super criminals that ever plotted to take over the world. Number one, the Riddler. Question, who's going to make the feathers fly and knock Batman and Robin out of the sky? Number two, the Joker. Have you heard this one? It'll kill you, Batman. <laughs> Number three, the penguin. There are two eggs this wily bird is going to scramble, Batman and Robin. <laughs> Number four, the Catwoman. Oh, you're going to see the perfect crime when I get Batman in my claws. And that's just a sample of the exciting exploits ahead in our first feature motion picture. Holy memoranda, folks. Make a note not to miss it. Good thinking, Robin. Here is all I will say about the 60s incarnation of Batman. It is a tuberculosis-ridden sacred cow, and in taking it down, I don't want to throw a grenade in there and hurt the people who like it, whose opinions I respect. 
Instead, I need a carefully sniped bullet in the brain pan and a giant claw to dispose of its carcass in a handy incinerator where it can no longer infect us. It's camp and silly, and that's the point. Yes, that I understand fully. Like Casino Royale 1967, it is clearly an attempted satire, throwing out surreal gags and absurd kitsch left, right and centre in a way that clearly hit the mark with many people, but leaves me cold, bored and frustrated. However, it took several years to rein the Batman comics back into something more serious and narrative-driven after this two-year fad played itself out. Unfortunately, it has left its mark on Batman. Without it, the journey away from the daft stories of the 50s would have been a straight road towards Miller and Moore and the maturity the 80s would bring. Instead, this show is strongly responsible for discrediting comic book heroes amongst adults for decades. For 23 years after this film and the series hit our screens, Batman could not be mentioned in the press without words like pow, zap, and wham. Ironically, the comic-hating Dozier ensured that the medium he cared not a jot for was left in the immensely unkind pigeonhole of the funny books by the ignorant and the short-sighted who remained that way until through force of will the tide could be turned back. Superman's cinematic Lex Luthor didn't need bumbling sidekicks, but his side of the film carries the taint of 66 Batman and its movie. Burton's Batman was based on the gritty books of the 80s, yet still, despite all the efforts from the production team, retained the loopy hangover from Dozier's campy vision, epitomised in Prince's confused bat dance. More so even for its sequel, Batman Returns. In these films, Batman is serious, his villains definitely are not. And of course, when Burton's efforts were seen as too dark, the pendulum swung back the other way, with Schumacher's two love letters to the Adam West series. Those films would not have existed were it not for the earlier forays into the crime-fighting carnival. If you hate Batman and Robin but love Batman 66, then sit down and watch both back-to-back and consider re-evaluation. A childhood of Batman tells me that this show, which aired over and over again as I grew up, was massively pervasive. In fact, it needed Nolan's films, with their deathly serious tone, the apex of the reverse swing, to sweep away the influence. That was, of course, until Batman the Brave and Bold, a cartoon wherein Batman travels to space and meets magic pixies and talking animals. So that's me done on this film. <laughs> I'm let, done complete you. I'm done. I'm going to let everyone else have their say now. I, I know. Some talking points. I, I, I'm going to be fair. You hate this. And I'm, I'm fine with that. I can completely understand why someone would I do would like be. Adam West. I will say that. I do like Adam West. I, I'll, I'll be... Me and Neil were talking about this earlier. It's not like we love this film. Like, we both acknowledge that it's just silly and bad. It, but... It's so committed to this ridiculous notion of what Batman is, and it turns it up to 11 in ways that... The, I don't know what it is. It's just that it's it knows what it is, and it knows what it's trying to do in ways that Batman and Robin feels confused and utterly... It, Batman and Robin feels like it's trying to be serious at points, and then it's campy and ridiculous, and it's this confused mess. So it's inconsistent, whereas yeah. this one's totally consistently madcap. Yeah, and yeah. 
I'm not, I don't, like, I don't, I'm not going to sit, sit here and say I would rank it, like, with stuff like the Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I don't, that's not laughable. Zentiriad voted it as one of oh, his yeah. top three. It's yeah, not but, that crazy. But it doesn't, when I sat there and watched it, nothing about it filled with me with hate or offence. It just, there were moments of it where I was just like, okay, this is a bit dull. And then there were moments of it that were just so ridiculous, like the shark exploding. <laughs> I, just, I just couldn't that help. That shark must have swallowed a mine. Just, I couldn't help but burst out and laugh. And there are certain lines of dialogue in this film that are so <laughs> utterly ridiculous. And it happened like, at sea. You see, you put that one. line that he said um, about the Russian... Like, uh, it's rare that I meet a woman who's such a strong argument for international relations. And it was just like, <laughs> where did that come from? It's so mental. Um, and because it just commits to this... It's always ridiculous, all the time, and it has no illusions of being anything other than that. Uh, it, like, I feel like Batman Forever and Batman Robin feel like they want to be considered like these great films, but the guy who was making it was incompetent and ridiculous. Whereas the but people he's ma- not incompetent. He's just as inconsistent. He's made some cracking films. Flatliners. Phone booth. Oh yeah. Lost okay. Boys. Yep. Falling down. Yep. Um, what else has he done? I mean, we should really save that for the Batman and Robin. Save that one for the Batman. Yeah, save trust me, it's a shocking list. So someone, he's, someone he's, else. He's had his ups and downs. Yeah. Um, someone else. Birthday boy, come on. Yeah. Uh, it's not, the way I describe my things of this movie is, it's a joke that I know other people find funny, but I just can't seem to laugh it with it. I know it's just, it's making fun of itself, but. The lines just leave me with this um, melancholy feeling. Like, because I, when I was melancholia, the problem was when I was younger, I watched the old Batman series on Bravo because mm. they reran it, and I enjoyed it. So, hang on, you I mean t- the '66 one? Yeah, yeah, the '60s one. Yeah. And watching this movie reminds me of how bad my taste was <laughs> as a kid. You know, when you just when you go back and watch something that you loved when you were a kid, and when now that you watch it, you just don't understand what was wrong with you at the time. We go back and slap yourself. <laughs> well, you see, the funny thing about this is, I sat there watching it. I think one of the reasons it's loved by a lot of people, uh, especially when you were younger, this was the introduction to Batman before the animated series and all that. This was the Batman that was I. I, I want to say Channel Four. I could be wrong. Uh, it was four. Yeah. It was around Happy Days. I think it was on also. On. And I have a distinct memory of the show that followed this that was just as good and as could be equal as camp the Avengers no not Earth's Mightiest oh, no, Heroes no, Alex not the good one <laughs> no the John C. Dem appeal one hang on no no just to, just to make sure that for Xanterian I have no opinion on the, that the original Avengers I don't I'm not I'm not going to say anything bad about it I have no opinion just don't watch the modern movie it's terrible oh god but the, my point interestingly is- enough <laughs> they both had Uma Thurman in, in them, didn't they? The Avengers and uh, Batman and Robin. They came out almost exactly the same time. They were both technically commercial flops, even though they made money, which doesn't make any sense. I don't know how they can figure that. One of them had Sean Connery dressed as a giant teddy bear, and the other one had Uma Thurman just as a giant gorilla. 
Anyway, as I was going back, one of the other things that, about this Batman is it's a spoof. It's a spoof of the comics, and it's a spoof of the espionage things that were popular at the time. That's why I find it funny. You know, I love seeing in the the joys in this is sort of the is maybe not the gags they come out with in their lines because they do date badly. But the, you look around the Batcave. You know that joke how Bond's always got the right gadget or Batman's mm. always got the right gadget, and they're all freaking labelled. And I just something about that makes me laugh. Batman doesn't just have exactly the right gadget. He has the super molecular dust separator. <laughs> he just happens to be around there for separating out UN people who have been reduced to dust. And it has both hard and soft water. <laughs> yeah, which is a bit think... troubling because that's the drinking fountain. <laughs> exactly. Unless he invented it on the spot. I think this comes... Um, I find certain lines of dialogue. When, I think this comes from my love of films like Airplane where when somebody says something that's utterly ridiculous, just something that is so insane, but says it in like a really serious, uh, utterly deadpan voice, it so cracks like me up. kind of like Yeah, it's just... Uh, what was it? Like, when they were... Um, they, were stra- they were magnetically attached to this buoy, mm-hmm, and, yeah. like, they think they've killed Batman and Robin, and then Batman and Robin are, <laughs> like, skiing away. And then suddenly it says, they say, how noble of that porpoise to swim <laughs> away of the torpedo. The nobility of the almost human porpoise. <laughs> I was just like, what? It's, what um, is this a, movie? A, a torpedo blew itself up. In all honesty, for me, the humour in this movie isn't the actual movie, but talking about it with people about it. This movie is yeah, a great movie yeah. to read. I think now a lot more than when I watched it. Uh, it probably would actually be a lot better if you sat down and watched it with eight drunken friends. Yeah, it's a riff movie. I was I was watching this with my girlfriend, and we were riffing on it. It was a lot of fun, and she did enjoy it. Although she did point out something to me: it's very Austin Powers esque, isn't it? It is, mm. but uh, that's that kind of reminded me of what Casino Royale sixty seven because Casino Royale sixty seven was trying to do what Austin Powers eventually did do. Hmm. Also, can I just point this out because we haven't talked about many of the other characters but am I the only one that wanted the penguin to say and I quote <laughs> lightning and crap thunder what it's Meredith Burgess it's Mickey from um, Rocky from Rocky oh from Rocky <laughs> <laughs> and also strangely enough you point about about the Schumacher ones that are trying to ape this I saw when you watch the Riddler in this you He's can totally. see you can see Jim Carrey copied some of the sort of the over the top his laugh, movements. definitely. And his movements in places. Movements, definitely, yeah. yeah. With slight prance around on tiptoes. Mm. You, you might also say that Jim Carrey used that in most of his roles in the 90s. He did, <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. A shelf full I've of penguin food. I've got to admit, food. I think the star of every scene it was in, Cesar Romero's Tash. <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. it was right not to be there. Because I, I watched the, I read the Blu-ray from Love Film, and... Mm. Every single time, I just, I just go back and think, I, I can see the moustache. Why did he just shave the moustache? <laughs> no one shaves Caesar's moustache. <laughs> I think that was think pretty it, much it as well. Yeah. <laughs> I think if anything really bothered me, it, it annoyed me that uh, Caesar Romero's Joker is possibly the most boring of all of the villains in mm. this film. Mm. Like, the Penguin is... 
interesting. The Riddler's interesting. Hang on, Cap- interesting. No, hang on. You're going to have to define interesting. Okay, not point, interesting. Josh. Not interesting. Um, There's a sliding scale here, sure. <laughs> We're going to be talking about the dark night in a few weeks' time. I think engaging would be... Entertaining, maybe. Okay, entertaining I will give you. You're going to have to... You you have to justify words like interesting. No, no, interesting was the completely wrong word. Um, (laughs) Uninteresting. I believe boring was the word. (laughs) But, like, Cesar Romero's Joker just feels like he's there and he's not... Like... uh, the Riddler seems more like how I'd imagine a campy version of the Joker being than his interpretation of the Joker. But mm. the two me. characters back in the day really were not that dissimilar. Yeah, you know, the Joker would would phrase his conundrums towards Batman just in the form of a bad joke, and the Riddler would do it in the phrase of a really bad riddle. I've actually put, and I think I tweeted this one: uh, "What is yellow and writes a ballpoint banana?" And I simply retweeted, fuck off. That's the not thing a I liked was just after that was that, ah, yes, the only possible solution. So, what? It's not even a solution. Again, it's, then, it's the fact the movie just goes and goes, yes, that's the answer. We're going to make believing it so much, you're just going to go, oh, fuck it. Let's roll with it. Yeah. In terms of seriously delivered lines, my favourite one is, I fear there may be nothing more to look forward to but death. <laughs> I kind of felt like that at that point. A lot, and another thing I know, I I noticed this, and I, <laughs> I must have been the only one that noticed this. You, when um, Bruce Wayne is captured by uh, the four campy criminals, and they take him to see Kitka, who is actually Catwoman, without you know the Domino mask. Yeah, world's greatest director detected my ass. Um, when they push him on the bed, did anybody else notice where he's um, head landed? Well, let's In put her it lap. This, put it this way: it found some pillows. Uh, oh, I see. Uh, My head <laughs> caught in your dirty pillows. Oh, I fell over again. <laughs> Damn these high heels. Uh, okay, Paul, you've been strangely silent on this one. I know you did not have fun watching this film. No, I've got to admit, I started spacing out towards the end. It's <laughs> it does wear you down. I mean, the, the, the shark bit at the beginning is hilarious, but... Uh... Yes, if only for the ridiculous shark. <laughs> yes. But yeah, it started to grate on me badly, and it's a problem, you know, even taking it as a comedy. I can't think of much comedy from that time, certainly film comedy, that I find remotely funny anymore. Do you, anyone here like the Italian job? Yes, I do like that's the Italian job. For me. But that's one out. Of, that's the exception that proves yeah, the rule. Yeah, but again, with that comedy, uh, the comedy in the Italian job, I don't think was very. The comedy in this is very pop culture. Mm. This yeah. show, I would say, was meta before we even knew what the fuck meta was. Yeah. Or in my case, I still don't know what it is. Mm. But hey, but it's one of those horrible words. But you know, what I mean, it it, it it was very self-aware, especially like um, in the show, it would have occasional guests just do weird little cameos usually Bruce when Lee. they're doing <laughs> Bruce Lee they also had Lurch on as Lurch oh right. they had I know they had Vincent Price on as Egghead and he uh, he had uh, chickens that had been fed onions and he smashed their eggs and made tear gas I mean it's easy just to get hold of tear gas grenade back back I say this is a radar egg and the slightest vibration will make it explode and turn this into a room carpeted with wall-to-wall millionaires. Let's get out of here. It's 
two minutes before midnight and the lease is about to expire. <laughs> Nothing can stop us now. We have only one chance. This type of mechanism is only sensitive up to about six feet. Do exactly as I do. Commissioner Gordon, he's done well, isn't he? <laughs> well, the other thing is, can I just point out the, the other No, his friend's Irish. Oh, yeah, sorry. The O'Malley or sorry. something like that. Yeah, they all kind of blend together. I wasn't really paying attention to it. <laughs> yeah. hey, I really um, wasn't paying attention to most of it. I liked how they all spaced around the room in tandem. Anyone going to mention the offensive stereotypes as well, then? Because we might as well yeah. mention oh, those. Yeah. Oh, so God. At the end, where they all like do racial stereotypes, <laughs> but they're all from different countries that are <laughs> opposing those ways. Oh. It doesn't make it good. It doesn't make no, it... If you've I'm, got someone doing like a, a really awful Jewish impression and they're not Jewish... Yeah, but before that, you actually had the right, ratio of stereotypes in the right place. And I'm the also fool that noticed that, you know, the Japanese ambassador, when he got turned to... When he got de... I can't believe I'm going to say these words. When he was dehydrated to powder, mm-hmm. his powder colour was yellow. Oh, my God. Oh... <laughs> <laughs> uh. Look, I'm not saying this is a good movie. It's not. Oh, First off, it is way too long. Yeah, it's yeah. like an yes. hour and 45 yeah. minutes. <laughs> it is way too this long. This could have been done in an hour and ten at the most. And it does feel more like a stretched out episode than a... Well, it feels like it, a feature length episode. It, do, it doesn't feel like a stretched out episode. It feels like three episodes squished together. Mm. Like, there are, I think there are three separate plots during the movie to try yeah. and... All of them bridged by long, long runs to vehicles and then drives in vehicles to other vehicles and then drives from those vehicles to other vehicles. There's that one bit where they they get out of the Batmobile, into the Batbike, they drive on the Batbike, down the tarmac, towards the Bat helicopter, and then he launches the side (laughs) bundles eight feet and goes, launch the go-kart, and it goes... Then they get out and get into the helicopter and then they fly off and it's like, dude, just keep the helicopter in the Batcave! Again, you're taking this film way more seriously than it's taking itself. <laughs> this film, has, towards serious, gives not one fuck. Yeah. It, no, it's incredibly dumb. Like, it's incredibly dumb. Yet but somehow it, still smarter than any of the movie uh, parodies that have been pervasive of recent, you know, like Meet the Spartans, superhero oh, movie. Oh, yeah, but... but <sighs> you're not comparing it to... I mean, you're comparing it to the worst films ever made here. Yeah, that, that's... <laughs> They're not really like people who honestly like should know better. Like I found, like I, I feel like I'm coming off as like the person who loves this film. The I don't love it. I just, <laughs> I just, I just feel like there are moments in it that are worth praising, even though the majority of it is kind of dull. Hand me down the shark repellent bat spray. A routine question: Have you recently sold any war surplus submarines, and if so, to whom? Salt and corrosion. The infamous old enemies of the crime fighter. Here, take my bat radio. I looked it up this morning. That class of missile receives on a wavelength of 164.1. I'd say the odds against it would make even the most reckless gambler cringe. True, I did think I'd spotted it out of the corner of my eye. Let's go. But inconspicuously. Through the window. True, Robin. It was noble of that animal to hurl himself into the path of that final torpedo. He gave his life for ours. Nevertheless, shall we give this matter 
further consideration over dinner tonight? Indeed, Al. I've rarely met a girl who's such a potent argument in favor of international relations. A stretch. I close my eyes and I dream of something quite astonishingly different. And all my days are trances, and all my nightly dreams are where thy dark eye glances, and where thy footstep gleams. Miss Kitka, I have the strangest feeling that I am about to be utterly and madly carried away. Sort of do detective work at times. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's juvenile detective work based on, usually on wordplay. And but science that doesn't exist, which <laughs> something that pisses me off. There was a point where they were wearing, like, like doctor's uniforms under their cl- capes with belts tied around them. And Lara said, why are they dressed like doctors? I said, I don't know, sweetheart. I honestly don't know. <laughs> She has now dubbed this, whenever she sees Adam West, she says, this is the silly Batman. And I didn't tell her that. <laughs> she yeah. loves animated series stuff, so. I, I, I like the show. I'm, I, I like the show. I like the movie. Is it good? No. I still enjoy it, because it's camp, cheesy and stupid. And did it hurt, sort of, the tone of Batman? Yeah, it did, but... <sighs> well, it's, I it's feel like it's, I, it's... I can't unmake it. No. It's easier for me to like, in retrospect because I've gotten the Batman I wanted now. Mm-hmm. And, and because I'm quite young as well, like, I, I wasn't old enough to appreciate Batman until, like, Nolan actually made his first film, if you know mm. what I mean. How old were you when uh, Begins came out? Fifteen. Combine Begins. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we win um, And I watched the uh, 90s animated uh, series when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. So I've kind of always grown up with serious Batman. So when I look back at the 60s Batman, it's kind of, for me, I know it isn't, but for me it's kind of harmless. And mm-hmm. and for that, I just ca- I can't take offence to it. I just see it as harmless stupidity. Well, it is important to say that no matter how much I um, rail against this for the harm it's done, it doesn't unmake the Nolan films. It, it doesn't in any way mean that the animated series didn't happen or won't happen. We got and have got behind us, and we're going to be do- reviewing in the next few weeks, some of the best um, superhero-based... Uh, some of the best comic book movies of all goddamn time and TV series. And it, ultimately, the, this didn't stop them happening. It might, we might have gotten a few more of them if it hadn't been there. They might have happened a bit earlier if it hadn't been there. But, but ultimately, it didn't kill Batman. No, it wouldn't have happened at all without it, because without the series in particular, would people know who Batman was? Hmm. De- that's debatable, because hmm. uh, they tend to bring back comic book characters these days who you know, have been absent for years yeah, and, and can, can make them quite popular. Moon Knight got a huge show. Uh, <laughs> not anything like that to me. Yeah. But, uh, but, yeah. I think it just proved that something like Batman could be a commercial success, though, and that was important. And then later on, you know... Uh, it's not Spider-Man, sorry. Because um, there was god-awful TV shows like that, weren't they, in about the 70s? There were like TV, movie, live action things with the guy with the well, t shirts in LA. Yeah. 
Yeah. But I think the more important one was, you know, it proved this sort of proved that you could have the commercial success, and it wasn't until Superman came out and went, "Look, you can do this big as a film." Yeah. yeah. Oh no, of course this was a film, but you know, as a proper cinematic film. Yeah, but if you, I mean, but uh, was it you, Alex, that pointed out that even that they they still had to give Lex Luthor bumbling. Yeah, and that's not out of the comics. What the hell is he... And that, okay, we'll talk about that when we do Superman. When when film does Zack Snyder's version of Superman's coming out next year, we will cover the Superman movies then, and I will rage about the depiction of Lex Luthor there. Yeah, and yeah, even what's-his-face, Singer didn't get it right. Thank no, I even... Yeah, no, he still hung out with um, Parker Posey. It's just the modern-day version of Miss Tessmacher. Mm, I see, At I, least we didn't get the modern-day version of... Um, Otis. Ned, Otis, yeah, Ned Beanie. I think we might be done with this, because... <laughs> yeah, because, like, this is I, the weird one. I think you have to watch this movie to decide whether or not you like it. If you don't like the camp, stupid stuff, that's fine. You know, it's, it's not essential. It. Mm. It's difficult to recommend. As I said, you're probably going to get the best out of it if you watch it with friends. Even if you've never seen it before, uh, you know, he will fall onto this trap door, you know, springing him out into the arms of Penguin's exploding octopus. It just said with, with total yes, yes, this is our plan. So I think that in short, if you like Austin Powers, watch this movie. Yeah, it's worth well, a try. Austin Powers is a far better film than well, this. Yeah, Austin Powers is very knowing and it's very well timed. And also because it's not because Austin Powers isn't James isn't James Bond. It's separated from James Bond. It yeah. means they can have some humour that's a bit more clever. Um, but uh, it would have definitely been a better series if it had actually been nothing to do with Batman. If it had been the if it had been a spoof of yeah, their culture, yeah, a parody of Batman. It's, it's like Casino Royale '67. Probably would have been a lot better if it had just been not James Bond at all. If they'd called him something else, Jimmy Bond. Yeah. No, because they did that in the. F- just don't call him James <laughs> anything. Just like make something like in like Flint. That's how you do it. I think that I think this film would make a fine drinking game. Like, oh, God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> There's a device called the bat something. The bat yeah. magnifying glass. You'd be unconscious in about three minutes. Every time they use labeled really shitty science. <laughs> Why are you saying antimatter? What? <laughs> what does antimatter have anything to do with what you're talking about? Do you mean the dehydrated pirates are not coming yeah. back? No, what? Robin. Not in this universe. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> Would make Einstein cry. It would make him cry <laughs> tears of Wait. blood. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, they t- wasn't it a whiskey maker, and they turned it into a dehydration machine or something. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it was. Like, <laughs> it was a whiskey maker, and they turned it. How did those men survive that process? You can't extract all the water from a person's body and then put them back together again. They're dead. They're <laughs> no, I was thinking too deeply into it. Sorry. You can't I, I did say this on Twitter again last night. Um, I'm trying to rack in my brains to think of a device that can dress a man in tight-fitting like <laughs> superhero outfits while sliding down a pole without interrupting their uh, passage, without also crushing their testicles. 
Well, the other thing that got me, and this is just a reference to Wayne's World, wow, they got that whole bit in Wayne's World spot on, didn't they? It's a uh, Shakespeare's yeah. bus that he flips up in Wayne's World that he does in this, hits the button, and it... Wow. Yeah, that was Wayne's World 2. Yeah, quick, to the Mirthmobile. Interesting link to Austin Powers there. I think Mike Myers is a big fan of that show, uh, the Batman series anyway. So that yeah, yeah now that you mention it, that, that does stand to reason. I, I do like the Batmobile. It sounds stupid, but and also it doesn't look very manoeuvrable. But yeah, when you watch it on, when it takes that corner on the cliff, it's yeah. like, is that actually going to turn? It's a sped-up film. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's an ancient American gas guzzler, really not the car that Bruce, being smart at all, would employ as his. I mean, my, having said that, in the animated series, it looks like a dragster. Well, in the animated series, it's very similar to the one from the Batman movie, the mm-hmm. Burton movie. Yeah. So, again, neither of those two look very manoeuvrable either. Again, required, like, a cable to take a sharp corner. Okay, give me the tumbler. Uh, can I just say, I have never seen so many BLMs in one place since Stargate. For the record, that's blinky light machines. All they do is in the background and blink lights. They don't do anything. And just about every set has got one. And labels on everything. Every, I love the labels. So I, I Even, it was, I can't remember what it was, it was something like, oh, we need to look at this on the closed circuit TV. Pan across, big sign saying closed circuit, circuit TV. TV. <laughs> it's just, oh God. There are occasional moments when Adam West, like at the end when he finds out that Miss Kitka was actually Catwoman, he, he goes a bit heartbroken. You're like, oh, he really means this. Holy heartbreak, <laughs> Batman. And it's, it's like he's sort of, he's actually trying to get a dramatic performance out of the most farcical film ever made. And well, it, that was a little bit touching for me, because I do like Adam West. I've got to admit, I'm tempted to watch through the copy I've got again, just because there is an Adam West and Burt Ward commentary on it. Oh, nice. Ooh, that might actually be fun. And yeah. Adam West did find new lease of life, uh, thanks to Family Guy. Um, he, he, he featured in many like cameos as himself throughout the 80s and 90s. He was in The Simpsons. He was in Batman the Animated Series in that Grey Ghost episode, which is fantastic, where he plays an aging star who has become typecast as a detective superhero. <laughs> nice. And not only that, he's also in The Batman. Oh, yeah, he's the mayor, isn't he? Yeah, he's the mayor. But and, uh, recently got his star on the Walk of Fame as well. Oh, nice. People Thanks to Ralph Garman on the, from the Hollywood Babylon podcast. He ran a campaign and paid oh, for nice. it. Oh, nice. Okay, that's cool. Which was very good. But yeah, like I said, he's actually, uh, he's one of the funniest characters in Family Guy. And Family Guy is full of funny characters. So, I mean, like, th- there's so many quotable moments in, in Family Guy that are attributed to Adam West. Uh, Mayor West, what are you doing here? I'm being a rascal and ringing people's doorbells and running away. Then what are you still doing here? It's my first house. I'm not very good at this. Singing is contagious. I'll sing too. Adam West, Adam West. A little bit softer now. Adam West, Adam West. Adam West, Adam West. I'll come out when they're all gone. Will you answer one question for me? Yes. Thank you so much. I actually put in Joker's Weird Pedo Tesh. <laughs> it is. It's like, it's, I mean, basically, it's any moustache that's so weak that it shouldn't be there. 
I so want to make jokes, but will not make jokes. No one said some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. That's a great line. I like that line. I think that's what I mean. That's one of the best bits in the film. Why why has no one mentioned it? Some days you just can't get rid of a bomb. I think it's because it's... Everyone knows that line from the film that it's just kind of become... Just imagine most of our listeners haven't seen this piece of work. Well, there's a scene where he has a bomb and Mm. he can't get get rid of it. it. It's, uh, It's very comical how he thinks that ducks are worth right, it saving. It doesn't sound funny now that you two have to talk about the it. Point <laughs> is, it, it, it. The point of that is it's parodying the whole thing about Batman and his thoughts on life, which they got slightly wrong. He won't take a human life. Although he involves a slobbering alien from Alex's uh, aborted podcast at the minute, he'll kill those happily. I know. Oh, yeah, yeah, he, he I, won't kill you, but he'll beat you into an inch of your life, mm. which is sometimes worse. Yeah. <laughs> <clears throat> oh, uh, anybody know which president it was that was uh, congratulating him at the end? Sixties. Would it have been Carter? Nixon? Uh, a little bit early for both of them. It was Lyndon Johnson. Oh. It was just after Kennedy. Did anyone else have a strange moment of Bush? <laughs> <laughs> no. Just me then, okay. Oh, and for the record, the the scene where he's on this sort of a date with Catwoman, and they're updating, they're updating the location. He goes, just going past the Benedict Arnold statue. Why does Gotham City have a statue to one of America's most famous traitors? Traitors. <laughs> I think that was one of the surreal madcap moments. I, again, I think it like Zan put it down. He put it best as it takes the mick out of sort of the hero culture, the hero. Sort of thing that was going on in the time. Like I said, I don't want to. I don't want to call into question the the people who like this film. That's it, you, that's fine. It's quite all right to to enjoy it. Um, that sounds like I'm granting permission here, doesn't it? <laughs> the fact is, look, you are allowed. Look, folks, you are allowed to not like this movie. It's perfectly fine. Yeah, and people. You should also be allowed to like this movie. Exactly. However, you shouldn't be allowed to like Transformers fucking three. Of course not. No. <laughs> Ridiculous turd. It, it's just in that like that weird zone for me where I'm not passionate enough to care about it, like to <laughs> love it, but I'm not passionate, you know, about it enough to actually really rail into it. So if anyone was to like say they really hated it or really loved it, I'd just respond with "meh, okay, yeah. whatever, it's fine." I mean, that's it's your opinion. Largely indifferent. Yeah, <laughs> most I, of the way through it. Yeah. Eh. Okay, are we done on this one? Yeah, I think it's great to start talking about something else. Right. Okay, folks, we are going to go on a quick break and we'll be back to talk about Batman 1989, the Burton version. You won't hear that until this coming Sunday, uh, but we will see you then. Okay, folks, one down, ten to go. We shall be back this coming Sunday. I'd like to thank my guests, Neil Taylor, Joshua Garrity, Paul Gibson, Jerome McIntosh. Happy birthday to you. Take it away, Adam. Far away. Capitalists like myself who carry large sums of money often have such safety contrivances. Show me, Miss Kicker, or I'll wreck this place with my dying breath. You filthy criminals. Surrender! You criminals! You abominable outlaws. Batman to Coast Guard. Batman to Coast Guard. There is a drifting submarine two miles east of Sandy Nose Lightship. It's filled with human jetsam. They may be drinkers, Robin, but they're also human beings. It's a low neighborhood, full of rum pots, 
They're used to curious sights, which they attribute to alcoholic delusions. Whoever dehydrated those pirates could not have foreseen their accidental rehydration with the heavy water we use in recharging the atomic pile. You saw it yourself, Robin. The slightest impact was sufficient to instantly reduce them to antimatter. No, Robin. No. It's not for mortals like us to tamper with the laws of nature. Let that be an object lesson in the dangers of tampering with the laws of Mother Nature. United World Organization. Precisely, Robin. You mean... Precisely, Robin. Precisely. Precisely, Robin. The only possible meaning. Let's commandeer a taxi. No, Robin. Brace yourself, Robin. We're going down. This could be the end. Our job is finished. Billowing backpacks, radioactive man. It's the worst villain of them all. The Scoutmaster. I see him from my board. Car, get him, Scouts. <laughs> Don't be afraid to use your nails, boys. 